listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Save the Marriage podcast, the podcast designed to help you save your marriage. We are on episode 335 plus a bunch of bonus uh, episodes in there somewhere. So we continue to push forward to help you. I continue to give you advice, to give you help, to give you perspective on how to save your marriage. Today, I want to read just a short message I got from Miranda. She said, my spouse has given up hope. He says he is hopeless that anything can change. He only sees divorce as an option. I have been holding on to hope, but now I'm feeling it too. How can I hold on to hope? That's the question we want to look at today. What do we do about hopelessness? Because it's an infection that grows if we're not careful. So we want to talk about what that hope is about. We want to talk about how you shift from hopeless to hopeful and how you hold on to your hope. The process is so important to understand if you're kind of at a similar place. Maybe you have lost hope, but let me just give you a little secret. If you're listening to this podcast, you have not completely lost hope. People who have no hope don't look for other solutions, but maybe your spouse is hopeless. Maybe that truly is where your spouse is right now, just completely hopeless, can't see a way forward. And to be honest, you're not sure if there's a way forward. You just don't want to be stuck. You want to find a way forward. So maybe you have a question like Miranda. Maybe you have something you want to ask. Well, that's what I've been doing the last little bit on this podcast is answering your specific questions. The reason is because I know you have the questions that I might not think about that you want answered. So if you have a question that's in there, I'd love to answer it or I'd love to at least consider answering it. Sometimes the questions are way too specific, something that is so specific that you really need to get some coaching on it. And sometimes it's so broad that it requires something like a whole program, which is what I have in the Save the Marriage system. So if you've got that Goldilocks question, the one that's not too specific and not too broad, Let's talk about it. Send it to me at podcast at savethemarriage.com. That's podcast at savethemarriage.com. If it fits in, you'll hear about it. Okay, so let's go back to this. Now, the reason that I thought this was particularly important is because a couple of weeks ago on my VIP uh, program, I had a conference call where I was doing some training, which is something I do every week with them. I both answer questions, coaching questions, places where they're stuck, and I provide some training for them. And then I put that training uh, in their membership area so that they have access to that repeatedly. And what I was really looking at were the three barriers that often block a spouse from moving forward and what you need to do to get past those three barriers. And I noted that one of those was hopelessness, the fact that they've lost hope. And so when I got Miranda's note, I thought, you know, this is a really important topic because it's not, un, uh, um, it's not a surprise. It's, it's not uh, a thing that happens uh, very infrequently that somebody will lose hope. In fact, it's very frequent that we have times, we have moments when we are hopeless. You probably have the same thing. There are times when you just don't know what to do. That's kind of where Miranda is. You know, after a while, when you're surrounded by somebody who just can't see a way forward, 
it starts infecting you too. So I wanted to make sure we talked about this. So first we have to talk a little bit about this hope thing. Sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, I hope that our marriage will be saved. I hope that there's something that can happen. But they're not doing anything about it. They're not pushing forward. They're really not even trying to figure it out. At some level, it's just a wish. And there is a difference between hoping and wishing, which I'll talk about in just a minute. But just understand that just because you want something, that's only one piece of the puzzle. If it only stays that I want it, that's a wish. It's wishful thinking, hoping that somehow something in the background will shift, that you don't have to be the one, right? You're hoping that a spouse will step up. That's wishing a spouse will step up. You're hoping that things will shift. That's wishing that things will shift unless you take the other pieces of the hope equation, which I'll talk about in just a minute. Now, there's another thing I want to talk about, and that is what I see a lot of people just doing is, is just kind of flailing around doing anything they can, anything and everything. You know, sometimes I watch as people just go after uh, program after program and trick after trick to try to save a marriage. And they're doing everything, thinking that if you do everything, maybe something will stick. That's kind of, you know, throw it up against the wall and see what sticks and maybe that'll work. And the problem with that is it's very confusing to a spouse when you're throwing thing after thing and trick after trick. And sometimes the, the tricks are, are like opposites. My program is based on how you rebuild the connection. At least that's a third of my program is how you rebuild the connection with a spouse. The reason is because connection really is the lifeblood of any relationship, and it is the lifeblood of a marriage for sure. When there's no connection, everything begins to fall apart. When there's no connection, love begins to evaporate. When there's no connection, you might have some care for somebody, but you're not in love, as, as many people say. And so that's an important piece of the process. So connection is what I teach. It's how I show people how to do things. And then suddenly, after somebody's been using my program a little bit, they suddenly read somewhere about this no contact rule, you know, 30 days without any contact, thinking that's going to make a spouse kind of jealous and, and want to come back to the relationship. So I want you to imagine this from the spouse's side, because this is the kind of emails I get. Hey, I was working on the connection thing. It was going really, really well. We were talking more and connecting more. And so I decided it was time to do the no contact rule. And so no contact for 30 days. I didn't call. I didn't respond. I didn't do anything. And 30 days later, why won't my spouse respond to me? The answer is because you went from contact to no contact, from connection to disconnection. How confusing for somebody, and yet sometimes that's what people do because they're trying out of desperation to do anything they can. They're trying to figure out how they can throw something up against the wall, hoping that it'll stick. And in the process, a lot of times all the good stuff falls to the ground because they didn't know how to do it a little at a time. They didn't know how to do it consistently, how to do it constantly, how to really step forward calmly and do that, how to take courageous steps. Those are my four C's, calm, constant, consistent, courageous. So instead, they just go after technique after technique, and they do trick after trick and manipulation after manipulation, hoping that somehow that's going to do it. That's, that's not hope. That's desperation. 
Desperation is also not how we get to hope. So if you haven't heard me uh, very often, you may not know, but I do jujitsu uh, on the side. Uh, jujitsu is kind of my thing these days on how I get my exercise. I do some other things in the summer. I do a lot of trail running, kind of year-round, and I do a lot of paddleboarding in the summer. But several winters ago, I decided to go back to martial arts. So here I was, about 51, uh, and I decided it was time to go back to the gym for, for uh, martial art. I did that when I was a teenager with Taekwondo, and now I'm doing jujitsu. So here's the thing about jujitsu. When people have gotten to upper belts, they've been doing this for a long time. It can take a decade or two decades to get to black belt, which is unlike most martial arts. And so when I tell you I have a blue belt, the first colored belt in jujitsu, that took me well over a year to get there. And so that makes me still basically an advanced white belt. I mean, that's kind of what that process is about. I'm an advanced white belt. And that means that a lot of times I'm spending my time getting um, tapped out by upper belts. So I've got one guy who is a purple belt and I find to be fairly unstoppable. He moves slowly, precisely, shifts around every time and gets me in pretty uncomfortable situations. So let me tell you what one of the things that happens sometimes, because I don't know a lot of uh, ways of dealing with a lot of the, the things that are coming my way, is I just start struggling, right? I'm trying to keep somebody from getting my arm or my leg or my neck, and, and I'm moving around just trying to shift around and find a way of getting out of that. I'm struggling through that, not knowing what I'm going to do, just struggling. There's another word for that. That's desperation, <laughs> that's the same thing that happens in a relationship when you can feel it all closing in on you you desperately start clawing through and you rarely make the kind of moves that you want to there's no precision to it yes yeah, sometimes I do escape that particular move with this one purple belt sometimes I'll thwart his one way of doing something only to have him go at it another way and he once told me that as a blue belt what I'm trying to do is figure out the path but by the time you're a purple belt, you know a lot of paths to get there, and you're just waiting to see where the detour is so you go another way. That is where he has a clarity going forward. Now, what you need in your life is kind of the blue belt equivalent of a path. As you get better, you find ways of finding alternate ways when something gets thwarted, but you at least need to have a path. Here's why. A lot of times with that jujitsu thing, I find myself completely pinned, and I can't figure out how I could have gotten out of it. And it turns out there was a simple solution there the whole time. I just didn't know it because I didn't have the skill set. The skill set of saving your marriage is not something that is innate to you. You probably never had a class. You probably didn't grow up with your parents telling you what to do if your marriage got into trouble. You probably, or you may have seen them get into trouble and seen them desperately trying to get out or hopelessly not getting out of it. And the same is true. You probably never had a class in school about how to have a great marriage, much less how to, how to save an in-trouble marriage. I know I didn't have that class. So a lot of the times we're stuck trying to just desperately move and shift and try to figure out the way forward. And sometimes that just gets us more and more stuck. So part of what we're trying to do is move to a different way of doing this. 
I remember one time after I had been tapped out by my friend, the Purple Belt, that I was sitting on the sideline and the instructor said, hey, all you needed to do was this. And I had a V8 moment. I'm like, that was it? That's all I had to do? <laughs> if I had just done that, I could have defeated the move? He said, yeah, that's it. So I've tried it repeatedly, and it turns out that that's often the case, that there's something that's just out of our understanding. Because we're not raised in a culture, all it takes sometimes is a little twist. Many times people have told me of basically the V8 moment of hitting themselves in the head and going, wow, I should have known that. But we don't. And in the process, we find ourselves constantly kind of in trouble, kind of stuck. So hope is a piece that brings that concept in of how do we keep moving forward? How do we have hope? Charles Snyder was a researcher, uh, and he came up with an equation of what hope was by studying this. This is a psychological explanation of hope. You know, a lot of times we hear hope in culture, and you're like, what, what does that mean? And we kind of know what it means just kind of instinctually, but it's hard to define it. Well, Charles Snyder gave us an equation of hope, Hope equals having a goal plus the method to achieve that goal and the impetus to get there, the desire to get there, taking actions, or as they call it, agency. So if you think about that a little bit differently, there's the goal of where you want to go. There are the ways that you could get there, and there's the desire to do it. So let's kind of make that an equation of if you want to travel. Your goal, you want to go to California. I don't know where you, maybe you're where I am, right? In the middle of the country or maybe you're on the East Coast. So you want to go to California or say you're in California and you decide you want to go to Florida, either way. So you have now a goal. There's a goal of where you want to go. Now there are different methods to get there. Maybe you take a flight, maybe you drive. If you decide to drive, maybe you decide to take a motorcycle. Maybe you take a train, you take a bus, I guess you could take an Uber. I don't know. But there are lots of ways to get there. So now you have a goal and you understand how to do it. The only thing left is you doing it. Because as hopeful as you might be about getting to California, and even if you know how you're going to get there, if you don't go get there, there's no hope. I mean, you can feel hopeful, but there's no action on the hope. There's got to be some way you move forward. That's the, that's the agency thinking. So let's think about this in three different ways, having the will and the way. So we think of that as goals thinking. One of the things I recommend is people be very clear about what they want to move their relationship towards. A lot of times people are just like, you know, I just want to get back to where we were. And my response is where you were got you to where you are. So let's come up with something better. A lot of times people just like, I don't want to get a divorce. So let me be clear that I don't want to get somewhere. It's not the same as knowing where you want to get to. So if I'm driving along, I can say, well, I don't want to drive over the cliff, but that doesn't tell me where I want to go, how I want to stay on the road. And it's the same with this. So we need some clarity of where we want to go. How do you have a loving relationship, one full of warmth? One where you feel like you both want to be there, not just to be there, but to protect it and to be a part of that, to be connected, to be working as a team. Those are some ways of thinking about where you want to get to. So now there's the goal. And so you have to have the goal thinking, having a clear concept of where you want to go. Then you need a pathways thinking. 
And this is where a lot of people get stuck. They just don't even know how they would start the process. They don't even know how they would be different. And the, so the pathways thing is where a lot of people jump into really crazy ideas like the no contact rule or reverse uh, psychology or some other way of tricking a spouse into moving forward. That's, that's where we fall into those traps because since we don't know how to do it, we get desperate in finding the pathway. And there are a lot of pathways that don't work and there are some that do work. There are some that people have really spent the time to research and to study and to test out. Those are the pathways you want to rely on. You want to ask some questions when you're looking at the pathways. Does this person know what they're doing from research or just because, you know, maybe they got lucky in their own relationship or maybe they just read something somewhere and they're regurgitating it? But do they really test it out? Do they have a tested pathway? Imagine that you uh, buy a map from this person on the street who just sketched it out. They've never been to California. In fact, that maybe even if they went to California, they only went one way. And that way maybe has a detour now. So they draw it out for you. Is that the, the pathway you want to rely on? Or do you want to look for one where you know, somebody who had an idea of how to make a map and had studied the other maps and had made sure that your map was the one that will get you there? Which one would you take? I, I would suggest you, you get the map that's been tried. I would suggest that you get a map from somebody who knows what they're doing and making a map, right? So that's the pathway thinking of making sure that you have a pathway that actually can work. Otherwise, it's just that wishful thinking again where somebody will tell you some trick and you go, okay, that should work because the person says it'll work instead of that should work because it's worked many other times before. And then there is what is called agency thinking. Feeling like you could do it and that you would do it. Not only that you would do it, but you're going to do it. Not only that you're going to do it, but you're actually doing it. You're taking the steps. Agency is feeling the capacity of doing it. Agency is action. So now let's go through those three pieces one more time because this is all that hope is. Hope is having a clear goal of where you want to go, an understanding of how you can get there, and then the action of doing it, the agency of doing it, that you have the capacity of doing it. If any of those things are not there, you don't have hope. Let's say you don't know where you're going to go. It doesn't matter what map you have. You know, if, if you open up an atlas, I used to do this all the time, you know, it'd be the, mat, the atlas that you could get like at a gas station before GPS, and you could open it up and you go, oh my gosh, look at all the places I could go. But if I chose none, I have no goal. At that point, it doesn't matter whether I have a car outside or a bus outside or a train or anything else. If I don't choose where I'm going to go, it doesn't matter how I'm going to get there. So if we don't have a goal, nothing else matters. If we have a goal, but then we don't find a pathway, it doesn't matter how much you want to do it. You're just going to be going around in circles. You know, if you jump onto a street and you don't know where you're really going to go and you find yourself right back at the same place, there's no surprise. In fact, if you happen to get anywhere you want to get, it would be a happy accident. It'd just be luck. If I say, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to go to California. I jump in my car and I start driving. No map. No GPS, nothing else. What's the likelihood that I'm actually going to get there? I mean, what are the possibilities? Again, no map, no GPS, just going to 
start driving. I may drive the wrong direction right off the bat, but chances are at some point I'm going to take the wrong turn. So we have to have a pathway that actually gets us to the right place. But here's the thing. Many times I see people who know where they want to go. They even have kind of a path to get there. They've read something. They studied something. They have something of a knowledge base of how to do it. And then they do nothing. They don't take action. A day passes. A week passes. A month passes. A year passes. Long time passes and nothing changes. No surprise that nothing changes. It's the same thing. Let's say you say, you know what? I think I'm going to start eating better and lose some weight this year. And so you buy a diet book. You read the diet book. You read about how to eat better. But you don't do anything with it. And then you're surprised that you're not eating better and you haven't lost weight. Would, would that really be a surprise? I mean, the reading of something does nothing. Let's say that I decide I'm going to get in better shape. So I look around for a book that tells me how to get in better shape, and I find a book that's kind of interesting to me, and I read it. But I don't go lift weights. I don't go to the gym. I don't row. I don't, I don't do anything different. Should I be surprised that my muscles don't get any bigger, that I don't get any stronger? No. And yet, many times people do that. They think, oh, I'll just read the book and take no action. I'll just watch the video and take no action. I'll listen to the podcast, hint, hint, and take no action. All three pieces have to be there for there to be a, a way, a sense of hope that actually moves you towards something. You have to have your goal. You have to know how to get there, the pathway. And you have to have the agency taking the action to get you there. When those three things happen, suddenly you have hope. So what happens if you find yourself wishing? Well, let's say you need to find some other ways of doing things. And let's say that you need to take action because I think that's a part of how that switches over to the hope. Now, the big thing that I would say, Miranda, is that you can now be the bearer of hope. And I think sometimes that's one of the most important things somebody can do in this process is to be the bearer of hope, the person who holds the hope for the two of you when one person has become hopeless. There's a story after story about, re, uh, about survival situations where one person is ready to give up, but the other person says, no, we can keep going. And they keep plodding along. And one person says, I'd go on without me, I give up. And the other person says, no, we're going to do this. And when they keep plodding along... And suddenly, they're found. They're rescued. Things turn around. Because one person said, let's keep doing this. Story after story comes out of survival places. But I've seen it in crisis after crisis where one person says, let's keep moving. It comes up over and over that sometimes one person, instead of being infected with the hopelessness, becomes the holder of the hope. Instead of losing hope to the hopeless person, they hold on to hope for both of them, and they keep moving forward. They keep taking the steps. This is not just a matter of saying you want to get somebody somewhere and, and saying you know, things are going to change, but actually doing, making the changes, making something 
that can be seen. So how do you do that? Well, now we're down to that pathway thing. You see, it's possible for you to know where you want to go and even be ready and willing to do it. And if you still don't know what, how, that's where you're going to be stuck. A couple of things. This is kind of where my wheelhouse is. Let me just be clear. I've been doing this now for about three decades. For the last two decades, I've been working with people around the world. Tens of thousands of people have used my material. Now, the first 10 years, I was testing and trying to figure out how to beat the odds that were pretty bad for therapy. I was just trying to figure out a better way of doing therapy for my clients. And I realized that the better way is something that is a good way to have a great marriage anyway. So that's where I started writing, started creating a system, started employing some methods for people who could use it from anywhere in the world. That's where the Save the Marriage system came from, so that people would know how to get there when they're ready to do it. And that program's available to you. You can start at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. Savethemarriage.com takes you to where you can grab the system. And the cool thing about that is you can start employing it now. You don't have to wait for a spouse to come on board with you. You can start working on this by yourself. In fact, my encouragement to you is if your spouse is resistant, don't try to make them use something or watch a video or go to therapy or grab coaching, but you start working on it yourself. You become the bearer of hope that now has a pathway. You had a goal, or maybe now you have a goal because we talked about that. You had hope because you had the agency. You're ready to move forward. Now you put it all together because now you have a pathway on how to get there. That's pretty powerful when you have all pieces in place because now you keep going. Remember, we were talking about the map, right, to California. What happens if the road's closed? Oh, you detour, just like in jiu-jitsu. What happens if they go this way? Oh, I detour another way. But you're still following the same method to get there. And there are lots of times when people start my system and they have the V8 moment when they go, oh, that's what this is about and I didn't get that. Now I understand. Now I know what to do. That's the save the marriage system. Now, if you've already got the system and you find yourself still hitting the brick wall, now that's where we go from blue belt up to purple belt. How we make you more effective with more tools, more training. The system gets you from white belt to blue belt. It gets you to the place where you now have some ideas on how to move forward and you can find the path forward. But to blue belt, to, to purple belt, is figuring out that there are multiple paths using the same method. So now I can go multiple ways. That's the VIP program. The VIP program is where you get extra training, extra tools, extra coaching to help you through the process. Now let's say you go, you know what, that's great, but I need some really direct stuff. Well, we have coaching available too. I have a whole team of coaches that are trained in my methods, plus they were already trained as relationship coaches, already certified as that. I just brought them in and taught them my way of doing it, so now we have multiple pieces that they can put into place for you to help you in multiple ways. That coaching is one-on-one. -on -one. We do it with people around the world. We do it by phone. 
by WhatsApp, by Skype, depending on what we need to do to get that information to you. And by the way, none of these programs require your spouse to be involved. You can do all of the front work without a spouse wanting to be a part of the process. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, you can't save a marriage by yourself. That is correct. You can't ultimately save a marriage by yourself. But you can start the process. Not only can you start the process, but you can continue the process for quite a while until they come on board. And then it becomes unstoppable. So the process is to get it started. So there's room for that. If you wait for a spouse to come on board, you're going to get hopeless because you won't have a place where you can work on it yourself. You won't have a place where you can take your own sense of agency, your own capacity of moving forward. You're frozen in place. So first, the basic level, right? The basic training to go from uh, white belt to blue belt, from having no idea when you first walk in and you're like, I have not a clue, but I want to do this to knowing some ways of doing that, knowing how to get that started. That's the save the marriage system. That may be enough for many people. They get that they're ready to go. For some people, they have to go an extra step. That's to grab the purple belt. That's the VIP program. The VIP program, you can find the link below this episode. So you can look in there in the extra resources or additional resources and find the link to that. You need to have the Save the Marriage system in order to come into that program. That's the next step up. And oh, by the way, a little secret. If you grab the Save the Marriage system, I will offer you a free week of VIP. So you can go ahead and try out some of those tools. You just have to accept it when I offer it. If you say no... That offer is gone. It's the only time you get the offer of the free week. So don't turn down a free gift. Now, in terms of the coaching, let's say that you have uh, stepped up and you realize you need more. Well, if you grab the Save the Marriage system, I also give you a best start session with one of my coaches. Free. No obligation. Just to make sure that you've gotten started. And if you say, yep, you know what? That was great. I need more. My coaches are available for that, too. It's just not required. You can decide on that and whether you need that. And that's where we go to individual sessions, right? That's kind of like getting the private sessions in, in jujitsu. That really can accelerate how you do it because you take in so much more information. But we have all of those available to you. The starting point, though, is the system. If you've lost hope, you wouldn't be here. Now you have hope. That means you know that you want to get somewhere. You may have agency that you're ready to get there. We want to give you the pathways. Start out at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. If you do have the system, you can check out the show notes for the links to VIP program and to learn more about coaching. But whatever you do, don't lose hope. Recognize that all you have to do to hold on to hope is to know your goal, know the pathway, and be ready to take it. This is Lee Balkan wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.